0: ASBO International would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit is a proud ASBO strategic partner that has offered retirement plans to education professionals for over 50 years. Security Benefit works with school districts across the U.S., helping America's educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com A-S-B-O. Neither Security Benefit Corporation or its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use with the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation.
1: Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here, along with the esteemed- John Bricado. John Bricado. Oh man, I gotta tell you, another rock and roll episode. Um, You know what I like about these episodes? sometimes there's a different level of comfortability factor, right? When you're talking to different folks Um, Mm -hmm. and this individual, um, we know, we don't know in depth, but I mean, it's such, such fluid conversation, John. I mean, um, and some of the things coming out, I think our listeners will like, so definitely go into, um, who we have on today.
0: Absolutely. Today we have Dr. Christopher Abdu. Chris is the Assistant Superintendent for Support Services at the Burnt hills Boston Lake Central School District located in the Capital Region of New York, but we know him more personally through his new elected seat on the Aspen New York Board of Directors with us. So this mm-hmm. past July we got to... Uh, bond a little bit, get to know him more, get to know the whole group and just kind of the vibe. And we thought, you know, it'd be great to bring him on, not only to speak about a little bit of his perception of the board work and what's coming up, but, you know, he's got a very interesting and unique background and story. And I think you'll definitely hear the passion come through in in terms of how he feels towards the the SBO work. So uh, with that, we're excited to bring you our conversation with Dr. Chris Abdu. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Christopher Abdu, Assistant Superintendent for Support Services at the Burnt Hills-Balston Lake Central School District located in New York and recently elected ASBO New York board member. Chris, welcome to the podcast. We're
1: Chris.
2: Great. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Good to be here.
1: Yeah. Good to have Dr. you on. Dr. Abdu. All right. Listen, we've been waiting for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were very fortunate, though, uh, to spend some time with you last month and uh, get to know you as well. and. I got to say, from the moment I met you, oh, well, we encountered maybe several years ago at the Aswell event. You're like a warm, open individual. And then I liked to even more when I found out you're a Binghamton alumni. <laughs> Binghamton <laughs> University, yes, BU in the house. All right, I had to get that out the way. Sorry, listeners. You know how I am sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, um, we want to kick it off right. Um, and it's funny, you said something earlier I liked. I'm going to say it, you know, that are you really a business official until you get on? The SBO Perspectives podcast. Well, that's a big hey, question. Now <laughs> you're on it, so you are bona fide. Um And so with that, all listeners don't may I may not know you. I know some probably pretty much do, but we are all around the world and country. Uh, so if you don't mind, uh, as we do start with anyone, you know, tell us a little about yourself, uh, your background, experience, and how you got to be, you know, where you are now. SBO.
2: Well, sure. Well, like I said earlier, I feel like being on your podcast today. I've arrived, so I, I am <laughs> business of nice, you know, right the podcast. So, thank you guys for having me today. It's great. Uh, like I said, Jack, I'm a fellow graduate of Binghamton University. I think Jack, you were mm-hmm. class of '96. I was class of '97, uh, one year behind you. So I could that's we can right. start there. I mean, that's you brought it up. You teed me up nicely, Jack. That that's where the journey started. Uh, 1997 mm-hmm. graduate of Binghamton University. I had a degree in accounting, bachelor of science degree. From there, I ended up working for a couple of years for a company, a little company called Ernst & Young LLP. Note the sarcasm. Mm, not little
1: that company, little, right? Ernst LLP <laughs> LLP
2: in Manhattan. Big four. <laughs> as one of the, back then, you see, I date myself back when I was working, there was one of the big six, but uh, yeah, that's okay. correct. A couple of out. we know about those For younger <laughs> listeners. Yes. It's the big four these days, but I uh, started my career there and I enjoyed myself. But uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that people may not know about me is I come from a family of educators. My father was a teacher. My grandfather really? was a college professor, um, aunts wow. and uncles all in education. So while I enjoyed my job there, my calling education was always something that was, that was very close to my heart. Mm, And so after doing that for a couple of years, I decided to make a switch, went to Syracuse University to get my master's in education. After that, I became a teacher for eight years. And after doing that teaching, the opportunity always comes up in your career as a teacher. Do you want to make that next step? Do you want to make the move into administration? And Mm -hmm. when the time was right, the question was, well, yeah, I think I'm ready for the next challenge in my career. And which way do you go? I mean, I could have obviously gone a principal assistant principal Mm -hmm. route. But one of the things with my background in accounting and kind of the affinity I had, I felt I could make a greater impact to the organization combining my teaching skill set with uh, the accounting degree I had and my experience in the accounting field. So I became a school business official. That happened in 2008, and I've never looked back. I, I, I've been there ever since. I've been for uh, for two other school districts, uh, but now for the past 12 years, I've been here with Burnhills, Boston Lake Central School District in the Capital Region, and it, it's been a great jury. I mean, along the way, I've, I've gotten my doctorate. Um, done mm-hmm. that adventure, which has been great. But it, it's been a positive experience to be in that position and be able to impact the, the lives of children indirectly, more, more indirectly than it was as a teacher. But uh, it's a critical role and, and it's been a great journey.
0: Nice. That's Good awesome. Stuff. That's awesome. So Chris, tell us a little bit more about this unique journey of yours. I mean, starting in the private sector and, and private sector finance and, you know, answering the calling of being an educator like the rest of your family, has that proven beneficial to you kind of having both that private experience, the classroom experience, and now kind of marrying those two together. And and if so, can you tell us a little bit about why that's been such a benefit for you?
2: I think it served me well. Obviously, those of us that are in this field, we all come to it from various different backgrounds. I know John used to be a director of technology at one yeah. point, correct? Yeah. So you know, folks that folks have come to it from that point of view. Many of us come from straight from auditing backgrounds, right from the private sector. Uh, I think there are fewer of us that come from the, the ranks of public education to become school business officials, something like the teaching ranks. Uh, maybe other positions in business offices are more typical. But I think it's given me a unique perspective, understanding the particular dynamics that affect public school districts and really the public sector in New York State. Like anywhere, uh, public schools have their own culture, their their own rules, their own uh, requirements as far as how to operate in them. And and having eight years in that environment as a classroom teacher certainly helped me with navigating that when I became an administrator. So I, I think it's been very helpful to me from that front. The other front it's very helpful in as well is one of the things that I like to say a lot of times is as school business officials, we're still educators. We're, we're right. very critical to the educational process that happens in schools. I mean, we're the folks, we're the masters of how. We, we, we work with educational leaders like the assistant superintendents for curriculum, our superintendents to decide what the best way to proceed with education is going to be. But then we're often tasked with how to make that happen. And I, I think having that educational background really assists with understanding a little bit more of the whys in addition to the hows of putting everything together. So I, I think it served me well. I, I draw on it all the time. Whenever a situation comes up, I like to say, well, and I was a classroom teacher, this is how it happens. Although my wife, who is a classroom teacher now, reminds me that I have been out of the classroom now for right, six right. years. So yeah. she likes to tell me quite frequently, <laughs> well, things have changed since you were in the classroom. And, I, and I'm familiar with that and I understand it, but it's great to be able to draw back on that when the time is right anyway.
0: So. Yeah, that's one thing when I first started out in my career, like you said, Chris, coming from a director of technology role. Definitely gave me a, a different edge, but one thing I always was envious of, of those that were in the classroom, because when I started out, when principals and teachers would come with requests for into the budgeting process, I didn't truly really understand the direct impact on students. And I'm guessing you having that lens has probably been a leg up in that that arena. You know when a principal or teacher or department chair is coming to you for some kind of budgetary item, you can probably harken back to when you're in the classroom and like, okay, I understand what they're looking for. I'm not just going to immediately go to no, we can't put it in the budget. It, 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 would that be fair to say?
2: I think it is fair to say. And it, it, what it also helps more than anything else, John, is asking the right questions. I yeah. think when, yep. when people come to you with different things, you, you always <laughs> want to ask them, well, we may not be able to do it this way, but can we Achieve what you're looking to achieve in a different way to make sure we're all on the same page and, and putting things together. I've never wanted mm-hmm. to be that guy that's always, you know, I got my doctorate. I don't want to have my doctorate in the word no. You know, I don't right, want to be the right. guy always has to say no.
0: Mm-hmm. I appreciate but,
2: that. <laughs> it, but as you guys are well aware, it, it, our jobs a lot of times we're the people that have the primary responsibility for making sure that everything balances out in the end. Right. I think we'd all love to do amazing things for kids, and, and we we do do that every day. But we've got to make sure we're we're operating within the constraints that we have imposed upon us, and, and make sure that those decisions are fiscally responsible and we're good fiduciaries. Yeah. So it certainly helps. Yeah. To, it certainly helps, but
1: yeah. You in their old,
2: shoes. Our, <laughs> our roles are where
1: we you are. You were in their shoes. Uh, I'm I'm coming here too. You're not to cut you off. I mean, you know, being a teacher as well. Yeah, it's different. You know, you notice like whether or not I get the same thing, too. So they say, oh, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, you were there, you were around kids. And so there's a different perspective there. Right. So um, interesting. Now, let's talk more about your position now. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what I noticed is that it's not. It isn't titled as customary as the assistant superintendent for business um or finance that, you know, the moniker is mostly, I guess, that we see out here, um, downstate as well as Long Island. Um, but, you know, knowing your role, right? Um, as business official, you know, yours is labels uh for support services, right? Yeah. Um, and a task that all of our peers hold, does your does it? differ your position in any way? Um, if it does from others, are there any added maybe responsibilities? Um, is, is this more or maybe a common label of state to be assistant system for business or support services? Um, and really, my, that's a lot of questions here. And my main thing is, is, why do you think your role might be situated like that if that is the case?
2: Well, I think my conspiracy theory on this is that back in 1960, when my position was created, uh, the superintendent oh. decided to have a little fun with the Acronym of A S S S for the person. That's my theory on that. I'm
1: falling on <laughs> my seat. Oh my right. gosh. <laughs>
2: that's funny. pretty often people will refer to me by the acronym if they don't like what I'm saying in one shape <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was <a> really good. <laughs> that's one, great. One, but no. oh, um,
2: but I, I think bottom line is that a lot of our positions have different names. I, I think traditionally it really does have that same responsibilities that any assistant superintendent for business would have, but Mm -hmm. I think the title really kind of emphasizes the role that I have in the leadership of the district's non-instructional staff, and really many people in our positions have that role, and how critical it is uh, for schools to be successful. You know, the, the folks that report to me, report to you guys in your lines of supervision, they're the folks that are responsible for making sure students come to school to a clean, safe, comfortable environment. Every day, that day, they're fed well, that they have a positive experience riding in in the morning, and that they're safe and comfortable when they get here. So I think the, the title really is a reflection of how how important that role is, that it not, it's not just the finance, but it is about making sure we're supporting the educational mission. And, and a lot of that is through working with those folks on, on our side of the house, which is what we call it, the support staff. That really set the stage yeah. for learning every day, and, and I think that's a critical element of what we do. And sometimes it's overlooked, they think we're yeah. the numbers guys, but you know, they're, they're, that's a very big part of our role as well.
0: Yeah, I always say, I think that num- in my experience, the numbers is 20% of the job, everything else is yeah. you know, facilities, capital projects, you name it. Uh, but it also sounds like you're just the victim of a superintendent's sense of humor in the 60s. So <laughs> that would explain your title. That's, one.
2: I would, that, that, that's that's my theory, John, you know and I'm sticking to it. One yeah, way I like way. it. It's, uh,
0: it's airtight. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, changing gears a little bit, I, you know, in your introduction, I also mentioned that you're newly elected to the board of directors of ASMA New York. How's it going so far? Like, what is your take? And, you know, what did you think you were getting into and what did you actually get into? And, um, you know, you're all you're a professor, you're an executive coach, you have a lot going on. So now you're taking on another added responsibility. Where do you find the time to do mm-hmm. all this stuff?
2: Well, to answer the first part, I think it's going well so far. I get to hang out with you, gentlemen, more, which is obviously a plus, <laughs> to, <me. laughs> plus to the whole to the whole mix. On how That's good to hear. Thanks. That's pretty <laughs> cool. You know, so it, it's one of the things. In all seriousness, though, when when I look at what Asbo New, ASBO New York has done and, and how it's impacted me over the years, I think it it really was. opportunity for me to say, listen, it's a volunteer position being on the board of directors. There's clearly a lot of different elements of work that have to be associated with it. But Mm -hmm. I felt it was time to give back to an organization that really has done so much to support me through my career. Uh, ASBO, for folks, a lot of people listening today are obviously members of ASBO, but think about if ASBO didn't exist. I mean, you've got an organization that provides incredible professional development opportunities. It provides a platform and a forum for incredible networking among your peers. It, It provides all kinds of different opportunities really to have the voice of the school business official Heard at the state level and a seat at the table with other statewide organizations. So when it when it came up that I've been in the profession now, like I said, I've been a school business official 16 years now. I almost felt if 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 I had the trust and faith in my colleagues to to vote me into office, it was my turn to really serve and, and give back to that organization. So it's something I've relished the opportunity to do that because I do think it's critical and the success of ASBO really is goes part and parcel with the success of all of us as, as we move through, through our careers as school business officials. So I I've enjoyed being on the board so far. It's definitely an interesting experience. And, and, yeah. and I, I appreciated getting to know a lot more of the inner workings and, and really being able to, to contribute in that front as far as time. Well, that, that's one thing that's uh, always challenging. Yeah. I I've, as you said, my background in education, I enjoy the opportunity of being a professor. I teach school finance to aspiring school business officials. And even more challenging and interesting is doing that same type of class for aspiring principals and superintendents who generally have no background in right. school finance as well. So time budgeting time is always, uh, it, it, it's it's something that's challenging and it's not something I could say I do perfectly. I don't know if any of us could say that, but right. it's making, making room for the priorities and the things that really make an impact and, and are important to you. And this is something that's important to me and I wanted to make sure I could do that.
1: And now a quick break for today's sponsor.
0: We'd like to once again thank today's podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit has been offering retirement programs to school districts across the U.S. for the past five decades. As an ASBO strategic partner and proud sponsor of the ASBO International's Emerging Leaders Scholarship Program, Security Benefit helps educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com A-S-B-O. Neither Security Benefit Corporation nor its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use for the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation. And now back to today's episode. And so we've had one official meeting as the new board, Uh, I know it's a very small glimpse of what's ahead of you, but what are you looking forward to most now that you you're elected, you're in, you got one meeting under your belt?
2: Yeah, Um, I think what I'm really looking forward to is participating a little bit more in in some of the more national events that are coming up, uh, taking a more active role in ASBO International. Love to hear that. yeah, it's, it's going to be, and one of the things I think that we tend to do in New York state is we, we're very fixated on what we do here as we should be. We need to be That's the environment sure. we operate in. But we're I, leaders. Like to say, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the opportunity to say, well, how do other states do it? Is there a different way we can consider doing things and, and are there, are there, is there anything we can learn from that? So I'm definitely interested in that. I'm definitely interested in, in helping contribute to keep the good things going in ASBO the way that they're going. Uh, it's an exciting time. The, the staff is expanding at ASBO New York. Which means the offerings and the things that ASBO is going to be able to do for its members are are also expanding. And, And I'm excited to be a part of that as it rolls out.
0: And so, Chris, can I put you on the spot real quick? Sure. Are you going to Maryland for Esbo International's National <laughs> Conference this fall? I am doing my best to see if I can put that into my calendar. All that right. Is
1: one of the He's working on it. Look <laughs> right. I,
2: am, I am working at it. As far as those time commitments you mentioned earlier, John, I, I am the yeah. parent to two teenage girls. Uh, yeah. So we got, we got it with sporting events and different activities. So I definitely plan on doing that in the future this year. Right now, it's it's we're trying to. Arrange how I can be be out of state during that time yeah, and still make everything yeah. work at home.
1: Yeah, I you do executive that. coaching too, right?
2: I, I'm an executive coach for doctoral candidates at the Sage Colleges, the Sage University, which is where I received uh-huh. my doctorate from. So one of the things they do there is uh, the folks that are becoming uh, getting their doctoral degree, they pair them up with people in the field so that they can learn from their experiences because the Sage program is focused really as a a practitioner in the school field an educational leadership field, as opposed to the theory. So it's great to be able to interact with these folks that are pursuing really the pinnacle of their educational attainment and just try to help them be successful once they achieve that, that and beyond.
1: I I like that. Uh, So staying on a doctorate topic, right? You know, being a, uh, a common doctor of education like yourself, um, you know, I did have to look at your dissertation topic, <laughs> and I got to tell you, I was am- I liked it. I was amazed by it. Um, you know what what I felt were like some of the factors that you uncovered, and you know, I guess y- your thing was with the recruitment yep. and retention of teachers, right? And in the, in the yep. capital region, which is great. You know, that's right up there. Um, my my question you now then is, I guess is, in your experience, then to now. Um, has the landscape shifted, you know, and really, I mean, maybe you can take a step back, maybe tell me, you know, how did you even come about, you know, conjuring up that topic? And, um, you know, I just want to know like really what's shifted since then. And, um, are there more or less of those factors nowadays, you know, is it easier or, 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 or more difficult to navigate, um, you know, recruitment and retention of teachers? Cause I mean, I'm looking around the country, it seems like this is more difficult.
2: Yeah. Well, Jack. First of all, thank you for looking at my dissertation. You're one of the five people I think that's that's looked at it. They looked at it, right?
1: Yeah, I think nobody looked at mine either. Yeah, so okay. I think you're right.
2: So, I think what's amazing, though, Jack, which is incredible. You know, I, I finished my doctoral work in 2018, and I don't think okay. we had the issues with teacher recruitment and retention. I mean, they were always there, but I think mm. they become much more pronounced over the past five years. So, so the work that I, I, I did actually is more meaningful now than it was when I was even doing it. <laughs> but I, I think what led me to that topic, which is the the image Impact of Collectively Bargained Factors on the Recruitment and Retention of High School STEM Teachers in the Capital Region of New York. Not a short title, I didn't win anything for brevity there, but uh, but as I as I looked at it, <laughs> one of the things that I realized is all the research points to the fact that the greatest factor that school districts have control over with regard to student achievement is the quality of the teacher in the classroom. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into whether or not a student is successful or not, but the one that we have the most direct control over is who we put in front of them every day from a teaching standpoint and how we support that curriculum. Many districts struggle with recruiting and retaining teachers. And when you have a lot of that turnover, I think that can have a negative impact on the educational environment. So I wanted to do a deep dive into it, and I surveyed thousands and thousands of teachers in this region and asked them, what is it that makes you come to a school district? And what is it that makes you stay from a collective bargaining perspective? Now, there's a lot of intangibles that may go into that as well, but I said, when, when there's a teacher contract, w- what is it that makes you wanna come to that district and what makes you wanna stay? And I also interviewed superintendent, not interviewed, I'm sorry, I surveyed superintendents and got their take. And we found a couple statistically okay. significant differences, which were fascinating as far as how superintendents tend to perceive that salary is a greater factor Than teachers do. And the teachers, the superintendents tend to underestimate the impact that health insurance has on on that recruitment and retention of teachers. So I thought that was kind of fascinating because obviously, as business officials, when we sit down at the negotiations table, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about salary and health insurance is a big interesting. It's huge. So and and Mm -hmm. I I did, I, I enjoyed the work. I think I learned a lot from it. And I'm happy to I'm happy to share it with folks if they ask to to make sure that we're doing what we can a to be financially responsible to our districts from a fiduciary standpoint but we also want to make sure that we're creating that environment where we can continue to recruit and retain the right people that really are going to help us advance our mission which is the education of students
0: yeah so. and you know Chris I'd also like your take on the school business official profession so I mean you you did a lot of research on teachers and retention and and what gets them to stay at a district. But what about school business officials when you're in the classroom teaching your SDBL candidates, which those of you not in New York, SDBL is a cert you need to become a school business official. When you're teaching these students, are you um, reassured that the profession is going to be okay moving forward? Because one of the big concerns we have, at least in New York is the amount of qualified candidates to backfill the retirements we're anticipating over the next five to seven years. And the lack thereof really is, is the issue. So in your more recent years as a professor, are you encouraged about the upcoming new generation of business officials?
2: I am encouraged. I I think I've had the opportunity to interact with a great, great group of people and I I think they're hardworking people and I think they're really going to contribute to the profession when they get into it. I do have some concerns that we may not have enough people. Right. In these programs to to replace the folks that are going to retire. Mm. One of the things that we've seen, as you guys were well aware, and people listening to this podcast are probably pretty aware of as well, this job is not getting any easier. It's getting more complicated. It's getting more stressful. Everything we do is getting more convoluted. And that's having kind of a detrimental impact on recruitment of people to become school business officials. But by the same token, it's more the position is so critical, and it's more important right. than ever to have somebody that can really have that role in school districts and, and and have the passion for both education and the mind for for school finance that can really help guide and lead their districts to to being successful. So I'm encouraged, but it, it's definitely going to be a challenge as we move forward.
0: Yeah, and I mean I I teach at the collegiate level too for the same certification at a different school and when I have some of my students ask me the question about, you know, is this a good time to get into the field or is there going to be opportunity? I said, I couldn't think of a better time to get in because there's going to be so many vacancies. You're going to have a lot of opportunity to kind of not necessarily pick and choose what district you want to go at, but the the, the field is is, in the pool is going to be, you know, much greater for a potential candidate than I think it ever has been. And I mean, at least the, the past 10 years or so.
2: And I think, John, it's a great point because, I mean, not to get too sentimental about it, but when I think about my time in the private sector and I think about the time that I've had in my school districts now, you don't have that direct impact that you had as a teacher in the classroom, but right. what you do as a school business official truly matters in the lives of children. It, it really, really does. The decisions you make and the way you support education, marshalling those resources, putting things together, it, it has a huge impact. And and for those of you that are, that are thinking about the profession, I'd encourage you to just remember that what you do can have such a great impact that... Uh, that you may not have in other fields or other careers out there. And right. Let
0: me, let me keep in mind. Which is a great segue to my next question. What do you, you know, having been in the seat for for so long, what do you think is kind of most vital for school business officials in the industry to just keep that sustainability going? And um, where do you kind of see the, the direction of the profession? You know, you already mentioned it's getting more complicated. There's more that we have to deal with. Do you see something like that changing? Do you see things easing up or is it just, you know, get ready? We have more coming towards us. Our...
2: I think everybody better buckle up. I, th- I think it's definitely not going to get any easier. I think times are going to continue to be to be challenging in New York State with this field. I, I think whether or not, even if the financial times are good, so to speak, the amount of data, the reporting, the requirements that that the state has for schools is not decreasing. I think right. back to where I was when mm-hmm. I started fifteen, sixteen years ago, and the things we were required to report to the state and the data they were looking for and it's just increased exponentially for, from that time. And, and I don't see that slowing down. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think the best piece of advice that I could give for anybody that's interested in this field or people that are currently in the field is number one, be humble and, and, and always be willing to learn and always continue to seek learning opportunities, continuous professional development. ASBO New York's a terrific resources for that, but there's also some other resources that you can avail yourself of. And, and I think it's important, never stop learning, be humble, and most critically, more than anything else, remember the mission. You know, we're, we're in right. service to to the education of children and every decision you make, as long as you can put it in within that context and within that lens, even indirectly in your position in the business office, I think that's critical to success. This
1: is awesome. But did you say buckle up, by the way? I did <laughs> did say, you okay. hear one of our episodes? Yeah. We had one recently <laughs> said buckle up. Two weeks ago, right? I think you got the <laughs> forecast there. Yeah, good, oh, like yeah, John. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So, you know, we're recording this kind of wrapping up the summer here. Do you have any trips or anything planned? Or did you did you do all your vacationing? Are you getting time to kind of just like relax and get ready for the school year?
2: Well, we, we have a couple small day trips planned. One of the nice things about living in the capital region of New York State is that you're right near the Adirondacks. There's, there's some great opportunities yeah. to uh, just explore what nature has to offer in, in the mountains, like George area. I mean, it, it beautiful yeah. stuff, beautiful day trips. One of the nice. things about me that people may not know is that we are Disney Vacation Club members in All my right. family. So Ooh. we generally have an annual vacation down to uh, Walt Disney World, which my family and my children truly enjoy doing. Uh, one of the things that I have promised myself is that we're no longer are gonna do that trip in the summer. Uh because any of you in July <sighs> and August, it's like being on the surface Heat of the sun. Right, right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. We decided to but we do have that plan for for later in the year. The February, April awesome. time frame is always always fun to do that.
0: Good, good. And you know, Chris, you you and I are presenting together. Well, this episode yeah. will come out. On Thursday, the day that we're presenting, so I just got to say, I can't wait to, to get up there and speak to new school business officials in the uh, SBO boot camp that ASBO New York hosts. I mean, it, like we were talking offline a little bit, it'll it'll be good to kind of go through and see the up and coming school business officials and uh, just see kind of the new generation of people coming through.
2: Yeah, and and John, I've presented with you once before. Yeah. I think this is the same topic we've presented on before as well. Yeah. it's always been experts. It's well, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to present with somebody that's as experienced and knowledgeable as, as you are in the field. I think it's a great opportunity for uh, for the for the people in the boot camp to really kind of get their their feet on the ground and learn from us, hopefully so they don't have to learn the hard way like I did in many instances. Yeah, here's
0: what I will here or was what I wanted to know when I started. So now you don't have to don't worry yeah, about it. Basically. But uh, at any rate, Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. I look yes. forward to seeing you this week uh, when we present, but uh, it was lovely having you on today. Thanks again. Yeah. And, and thank, thank, you to you.
2: thank you to both of you. I think the fact that you do this podcast is really a credit to the industry and a credit to what we do. So it's great. Mm, appreciate that you're doing that. This. Thank you for all your work, putting this together and having these podcasts repeatedly. I, I think it's we'd miss it if you didn't do it. I can tell you that. So yeah, thank you for all your hard work. We appreciate that.
0: Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you again for tuning in, SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chris today. He's a great colleague, great friend, and I'm glad he uh, yeah. took the time out of his day oh, to join man. us.
1: So smooth, I tell you. Um, and of course, I got to throw out that, again, Binghamton alum. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny we were talking if we were actually running across past each other, we did at the same time, um, didn't quite um, recall, but, um, you know, obviously the stuff, the work that he's done, his dissertation, I mean, yeah. and um, what he brings to Capital Region um, is immense value uh, for, you know, creating business officials, right? He's he's professor, executive coach. Um, it's, it's really good stuff. Uh, yeah, so he does it hope. all. And, and when I yeah. saw that he was running for the board of directors, I
0: was really excited because I, I knew and I know again now he's just an awesome addition to, to our team.
1: Big time, and he's on official. <laughs> as he yeah, yeah, now he's an official fishy, SPO. Official, <laughs> right? Uh, right. So this is great. So listeners, uh, keep staying in tune. SPO perspectives. We're here every week, and we appreciate you all the love and support um, in our episodes. And uh, we just want to keep rocking.
0: Yeah, thanks everyone. We'll see you next week.